I love a sip and see, as long as there's enough tea to spill. <laughs> if you think you're going to read me, make sure that you will never, ever need me. Oh. You know my like little delight is when a tagline rhymes. I just think it's like genuinely adorable. Like I'm like, you can see in my AGs, like this is not helpful for an audio only podcast, but like I'm glowing right now. I am a glow. I think rhyming <laughs> is like one of the best things a person can do with their tagline. You guys, I would pretend to rhyme. This is Andy's girls, but I just don't have it in me. <laughs> but I am very, very excited for for this return guest. You know him as news and entertainment journalist and pop culture expert. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, the king, Richie Sky. Richie Sky, how are we? Oh, we are good. We are good. I am, I, you know, I'm in this whole vacation mode. I think I told you earlier, and I am just kind of like zero f's these days i yeah. just got back from new orleans this past weekend i'd never been before and i had the time of my life it was just amazing and so i felt like i just came back extra relaxed i went to vegas for my birthday a couple of weeks before that it's just been like you know i've just been enjoying the summer <laughs> I feel like I'm. A, it's the summer in the Hamptons. I love that. We're having very different summers, let alone weeks. So I am so here for maybe I needed this. Maybe I needed a prescription to Monsieur Richie Sky because I have been a little extra kinetic, shall we say? So, like, ah. I just think. This is a great, I mean, and going to, I've never been to New Orleans. I would love to, how was it? What did you do? So uh, we go, it's a, it's like a family trip, like a family cousins trip. And we, and they go annually. They went last year to Vegas and I didn't go. So I was like, I'm going to go this year. And I want to see like what this is like traveling with my family. It was so fun. I think I laughed like nonstop. The food is so amazing. Oh um, we did a swamp tour. It was extremely hot. So we did choose kind of like an off season to go. But I think if if you were to go like maybe in like November through like March, I think you would enjoy it because they said that the weather's a lot better. Like it's a lot cooler. It's not as hot and humid. But man, like it was just live music. Like it was just, I mean, it was so it feels like a different planet. It really does. I need to, you know what? My mom was just in town and we were talking about like maybe take, there's for a multitude of reasons, she's not able to to really take any uh, trips. Um, and uh, so I was talking about the fact that, you know, like she comes to for just like a little break and escape. She'll come to New York for, um, you know, two days to stay with me and we go to the theater and dinners and jazz and all that stuff. And I was saying to her, I was like, listen, I love when you come to New York, you're here often as well. You should be, you know, self-care, having a little moment, restorative, spiritually, whatever. But have you thought about the fact that like in two days you could still come to New York or we could take a trip? And she mentioned wanting to go to New Orleans, which I have mm. never been to and would love to go to. My only thing is I'm a vegetarian who as as part of being a vegetarian doesn't eat fish. So like mm -hmm. from a sea, if I don't have seafood or meat, is that okay when it comes to like 
New Orleans dining, do we think? I will tell you that what I found fascinating was that this brunch spot that we went to, there were like it was a buffet. Now, like I'm not the biggest buffet fan, but I do like to eat a lot. But they had all of like the one whole side was vegan options. No. Yes. I kid you not. I was act- I I was actually getting my like uh gumbo and like um there was some other oh my god some other stuff that I was getting and it was like I didn't realize I was eating from the vegan side but it, it there was no difference in taste to me. Like it tasted just like everything on the other side. So um the answer is a solid yes, you can. I need to go. It's enjoy. one of those places that you just have to visit because it is, from everything I've heard, just incredibly special and also singular. There is no other yeah. place like it. So um, I'm so glad you had a great experience. And how was Vegas? Vegas was also really, really nice. I feel like I went to two places where I felt like they're kind of like adult playgrounds. Uh-huh. Um I love it when I feel like I'm in, you know, just as first of all, as a gay, as a gay black man, I feel like I love when I can go places and I feel like no one cares. No, it it doesn't matter what color you are, what you look like, your race, your ethnicity. And biggest people are there to gamble, have a good time, eat buffets, shop. The same thing with New Orleans. They're there to have a good time. And I feel like there was this universal sort of connection of these two places where I just kind of felt like in some way, shape or form, I I, I think I needed to just be in those spaces because the first part of this year was kind of dismal for me. So this summer has been a, a welcome like change of pace. And from the perspective of reality TV, you know, you're an incredibly popular, successful content creator, YouTuber. I know you just put up a video um, recapping and deep diving the Atlanta reunion trailer, which I would love to get your thoughts on, by the way. Um, But, you know, a lot of your work is built around responding to and discussing often toxic environments. Do you think that your audience would be interested in any kind of like counter to other forms of television storytelling? Is that something that you are interested in? Does that have any impact in the ability to kind of disconnect, including the worlds of reality TV? Uh, That's such a good question. I mean, well, I know that my, I know kind of what my audience is interested in because I mean, I think we're all, we, we, I, it's so weird I hate to look at myself as like a talk show host or anything like that. But you, when the when the audience has been there with you for such a long time, I mean, if I go live, I recognize the names. I see the names all the time mm-hmm. in the comment section. So I they know what I like. They know I love a good murder mystery. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm when I unplug from from the world of reality TV, I am watching Murder She Wrote. I'm watching SWAT. I'm watching crime procedurals. I mean, I know it's <laughs> it's and it it doesn't feel morbid to me. It feels like oh my god, I I am the detective and I am solving a case. Outside of that, um, ah, uh, so you know I write as well. So I yes. I write my books. So that kind of takes me out of that world as well. Even though I'm kind of writing about that world, it's still my imagination and it's just taking me places. Um, 
I also write scripts as well. Um, so I'm in a script screenwriting um, mentorship right now, working with someone who, you know, pitches to networks and that sort of thing. So those are the other places that my interests lie. Um, currently working on something that I honestly, I hope will be on television very, very soon. So my interests also lie behind the camera, like in terms of production and, you know, um, maybe even producing reality TV. Um, although, uh, knowing what I know now and after that deep dive I just took on, <laughs> on that below deck story you just sent me, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I've talked recently to another content creator about sometimes what we watch. Sometimes is it, am I am I watching trauma as entertainment? Because then I have to look at it through a different lens. And as I read that that piece that you sent me, I, and hopefully maybe you can find a way to put the link in the in your in your yeah, I'm in happy the to. podcast. Description. I'll link in the show notes, um, guys. Because it is so deep to me, and and it makes you wonder, like, oh my god, like something that I I could have found, you know, I don't want to say humorous because nothing in that article was humorous. But what I'm saying is some things that we may have seen over the course of time. Yeah. At one point wasted. in time, we could, we, we could have exactly, we could have thought, Oh my God, like, I can't believe she did that or she fell for that. Or, and you know, we made it a talking point as entertainment, but really, um, that's kind of traumatic. I mean, so many good points. And I think it's getting to the heart of what many content creators are discussing kind of amongst ourselves, which is what's our responsibility when unpacking the world of reality TV and in trying to understand and get to the root of what is being presented as entertainment, which can feel like entertainment, can be entertainment, but also has layers of other things happening which the network may not in any way acknowledge, but that doesn't mean there isn't a responsibility and opportunity for content creators and other people, fans, viewers inside the Bravo community to discuss things. And today was a lot. The Atlanta <laughs> trailer just came out. We just rewatched the New York midseason trailer. But also, and this might be triggering, so I just want to share that this might be triggering because it is allegations of sexual misconduct and sexual assault, that there was um, an expose by Rolling Stone that was published today. I started reading it right before guesting on a podcast and was like, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you put the phone down and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to return to when I'm done recording? And a lot of really ugly allegations, um, which again, I'll link this Rolling Stone piece in the show notes for this episode against Gary King, who's a current mm -hmm. Below Deck cast member who, as the article notes at the end of the piece, is scheduled we'll to at appear Bravo at BravoCon, which says a fucking awful lot. And and gets into some stuff that Stasi Schroeder has talked about recently on her podcast, the way that men on Vanderpump Rules are protected. And there are serious, upsetting, and devastating allegations from multiple people behind the scenes. Maybe even, I don't know if it's in front of the camera as well, but certainly people on the cast and crew of the show itself, some of whom 
you know, coincidentally have not been offered contracts to return to work on the show after making complaints about his behavior and saying he can behave in a manner that is scary toward women. And by the way, not just women, because it turns out that after one of the times that he was cautioned for behaving in a way that was irresponsible and threatening to some of the women on the crew, he apparently came back and then fucking groped um, a crew member's genitals, which is sexual assault. Like that is inappropriate, disturbing. And you know what happened? It None of this was discussed in any way on any of the episodes. And what the person who went on the record, who was a makeup artist helping with other aspects of production, what she said was, you know what they could have done is put, you don't even need to get into it, but just fire this man for repeated acts of disturbing behavior and put up a graphic. He was let go for reasons of X, Y, Z. I don't know legally what they could say and then move the show on. But not only did they keep him, they hid this behavior and are promoting and positioning him as a form of entertainment. And when you talk about trauma and like, how were we interpreting possibly traumatic again uh, events, maybe that an individual recognizes at the point of being traumatic versus the way it's received by editors and per- and perceived and readjusted by editors. This is a different kind of circumstance, but imagine how triggering that must be to these several members of the crew who reported his behavior and knew that he kept his job. They're no longer working on the show. They reported there is evidence, emails, conversations with executive producers, with HR, LOL. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, They're like (laughs) cast ashore, but... I mean, and HR ultimately, you know, works for the corporation. It's, you know, remember human resources. So it's like you're, they're, they're doing the things on the record at that point and after on. They're told you cannot talk about this with other members of the team. It's like it's becoming too much of a topic of conversation. Meanwhile, I'm thinking this woman is like essentially warning other people that this person is dangerous. You're telling her not to do that because you're repositioning it as gossip. And then he continues to be positioned by the network. Yes, the network, as well as production itself, as this great reality TV talent. I mean, what the fuck is that? You know what it makes me think about? It It makes me think about so much that we now know about Hollywood and things that sort of like... I think for years went under the radar in Hollywood because we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media and it just was what it was. And, and people just kind of went along with it, or maybe they didn't go along with it. Maybe they told someone who, you know, who just didn't do anything about it. And then you hear all of these stories later. I mean, just no shade, but like, look at the Bill Cosby of it all. Right. So now Fast forward, we're in the year 2023 and people are like, I'm not going to keep silent about this. And I have the means to open up and to warn other people about this situation. And so I think what we're seeing now, especially with regards to reality TV, I hate to use the word reality reckoning because (laughs) of where it came from, but... (laughs) I know. But I mean, it's happening. I mean... You know that part of it is it is happening and it and it and it needs to happen, and 
what are we going to, what's going to be done about it? Especially now it's, it's in Rolling Stone. I mean, I feel like once you're in Rolling, I mean, once it's in Rolling Stone, I mean, it is, it is, it's out there. Okay. So what is the network going to do? Because now they have an obligation publicly to respond. And also, P.S., it's no longer okay for the network to put out these statements saying, which they did in the Rolling Stone piece, like, um, in our third-party production company, we make sure they abide by XYZ. It's like, guess what, guys? At a certain point, yeah, the production company needs to be responsible, but you're the ones who are working with the production company, number one. And number two, what are y'all going to fucking do when it turns out that, um, you know, making sure that an abundance of alcohol is available when cast members on Below Deck are like filming confessionals or doing whatever else, you're not giving them anything else, you're feeding them with alcohol. What do you think is going to happen to the people who are working on the shows when cameras go down? It does not mean that this is always the inevitable it does though mean that that can create an unsafe environment and the members of the crew are not protected and they're being specifically purposefully not protected in order to create entertainment like that's problematic i don't have an answer for how you solve and resolve it especially when many of these shows are built around toxic personalities like i don't know what kind of influence casting should have but one of the people who was in interviewed for this piece talked about the fact that ideally there's some sort of reality TV crew and cast member version of an intimacy coordinator, someone who is on set, who is um, able to advocate for people if a situation does arise, because we are past the point with where we are post Me Too and LOL for many people in the decades prior when they had an understanding of um, really dangerous environments, especially for women, not just for women, but certainly um, understanding the gender politics involved with sexual violence. Like at a certain point, there needs to be some sort of understanding here that people who work on these crews, you cannot treat this with ignorance. And what's so frustrating is that one of these people contacted immediately, has records of it, emails of exactly what she said to people and told them, and they ignored it. We are past the point culturally, as a culture, for people to not understand what it means when this woman is saying a man in his underwear held her to his body as she was saying no and kicking him, trying to get out of his hotel room after doing her job and delivering, you know, like water and food that she felt she was unwell as a result of this. She was very upset and that upset and ramifications for her mental health remained like you cannot pretend to plead ignorance at this point we are past the point and there is a reckoning that should happen and the bethany of it all is very complicated and fucking annoying because the reality is this shit is so serious like what was discussed in the rolling stone piece whatever is likely to come out in the future is not a joke and it's something that deserves our attention like I wasn't expecting us for us to talk about this for, you know, 800 minutes, but it's actually important that we do, (laughs) especially if the network is not. And especially, unfortunately, if Bethany is not like I'm not 
making jokes. I'm not, well, I mean, like, you know, I'm always a sassafras at the end of the day, but like, this is not the place to like start ego first. This is the place to focus on the active harm that was done and to listen to people who were working on these shows, are working on these shows, might go on the record, might be anonymous, and to take their experiences seriously and say, listen, I don't have an answer for this, but we can start from the perspective of working on reality TV does not write a person a permission slip to cross boundaries, including against another person's body. That's unacceptable. That is unsafe. People deserve the right to work on maybe LOL, like wild, insane, conflict-heavy reality TV and not be violated in that way. It is possible to do. It should not continue to happen. It shouldn't have happened in the first place. I do want to say something that I was made aware of over this. I wasn't made aware of it over this past weekend. I think it's something that I've become more conscious of. And I think sometimes as a gay man, it it goes above my head because I don't tend to think I don't have to think I'm afforded a luxury of not having to think about my safety when it comes to being a woman. And then when it comes to being around a man who may be much bigger, right? So what I mean by that is I was having a conversation with another content creator who happens to also live in New Orleans. And we were just talking about, you know, male-female dynamics when it comes to some of these shows that we watch and just life in general. And something that she really expressed to me is that, you know, as a woman, she is constantly... I don't want to say on guard, but she's constantly gauging her level of safety when it comes to just men in general and just whether they be strange men or men she doesn't know. And that's something that I wonder if 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 a lot of men need coaching on, especially when you're going into like these filming environments and that sort of thing, because I think that there has to be some level of I don't I don't think a lot of men are taught this. I don't think a lot of men are taught to think about how their actions may be perceived to a woman because something that in his mind he's thinking, "Oh, I'm just I'm just, you know, playing with her, you know, that's going to be what his logic is, right?" I I'm sure I'm almost sure of it. Just kind of hearing guys talk like in, in barbershop conversations and just things that you've heard you hear a lot. And it just made me, it, it really hit me. Like a lot of men are not taught how to respect and how to treat women. So that's number one. Then I'm on the fence with this thing, with the alcohol thing. Mm-hmm. I'm on the fence with it because for one, on in, on the one hand, production can supply you with alcohol. It's your choice. It really is your choice. However, If it's there, if there's an open bar, nine times out of 10, human nature, for those who do drink, they're going to likely indulge and overindulge. So I I wrestle with that only because having been on the reality TV set, I've seen it work both ways for people. I've seen it work where there are people that just don't drink. There are people who say, I'm on camera. I'm not drinking like that. Like, what are you doing? Like, no. And then there are those people who I'm going to drink more because it makes me comfortable or I'm going to drink more because that's just who I am. So 
it's a it's an it's an interesting space but if the intent for production is to create chaos with the alcohol then i think that is something that also needs to be like okay why why are there 10 bottles of 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 jack daniels stacked on the walls when we we don't need we don't even need that much you know what i'm saying so it's this is one of those i think that's a it's a great area for me because I want to say production. Yeah. Do you need to be really giving that person any alcohol? I think it's like, how do we, how do you do it responsibly? And then how, and then the person has to be responsible. Like you can't say, well, they supplied us with alcohol. So that's why I acted this way. No, you acted this way. That that's period. Okay. Whether you had alcohol in your system or not, I don't care how many, how many glasses were lined up for you on the, on the bar. You still took that action. I hear you, but I think that the issue with a lot of the ways that alcohol is used as an environment on reality TV is difficult because it's not that they're supplying a bar, but also water. They're restricting everything else. So for many people on these shows, they're only being given alcohol. And for some of these casts, you're going to a group dinner and food is intentionally not served until well, 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 well after the point where your only option is alcohol. And Dallas Housewife, former Real Housewives of Dallas star, Steph, Stephanie Holman took to Instagram stories this week, which I or it was maybe a clip of her podcast, rather apologies. And I really appreciated her for talking about her experience because she said, you know, there were many times where she was going to a dinner and they would not serve the food. They only specifically because of production council and whomever else, they were only served alcohol and she would excuse herself and go to the bathroom and pour out her white wine and like add half of the water because she knew and did not want to be to the point of being unwell or behaving in a way that she considered unwell on camera. And she was in a position where she couldn't get water alone. And there was also an expectation that she would drink. So it's like, all fine and good. I totally appreciate no, and understand. No, see, this is a different. That's the thing. It's not like this. You know, I know. And that's the problem is that like people, understandably so, because the information really hasn't been available in a in a way that has inspired a larger conversation. There have been people who've come forward most recently, including several members of the cast of Love is Blind, who've talked about the conditions where they were not allowed to sleep, where they were sleeping for two hours a night, running on nothing, not able to get water to drink and over overplied with alcohol, where food was really restricted and limited access to that and water. And they people who had mental health challenges and were counseled against leaving the show like there's a lot of darkness and stuff here for, you know, what is ostensibly like that's entertainment, folks. But I think it is a better understanding, which comes with these pieces coming out. It comes yeah. with hearing from people who are still in many circumstances working on these shows anonymously standing up and saying this isn't okay. And say what you will about Bethany Frankel. I, I take a lot of issue with her behavior, uh, certainly over the course of the last week, but the attention paid by someone in her position 
her, you know, attitude and personality might be jarring to people. It might be frustrating to people. But also, even in criticizing a laissez-faire attitude, she is still standing up and saying this shit is wrong and is potentially able to inspire others to feel comfortable enough to say this isn't just about Bravo, but speaking of Bravo, these are Bravo shows that we're talking about. And it's really important if you have capacity to read that piece because the ending of it is so fucking upsetting, which is the fact that this man who's been protected by the network in production continues to be employed by the network in production is now being going to be celebrated as of when the expose came out at BravoCon. And that goes to show you in this culture and certainly in this community, the way that especially toxic men are protected. And we are not as an audience, as content creators, viewers, whatever else, aware oftentimes of the ways that their toxicity that maybe you're seeing glimpses of on camera is especially bad toward, including toward people on crews off camera, we're not told about it. Or if it's something that's happening on camera, like Rachel saying, I spoke to Sandoval on camera about the fact that I could not, how do I know I can trust you after you recorded me in an intimate moment without my consent? And she says, you know, off camera that he had a conversation with with the people on production and the clip was not included. Now, I don't know if it wasn't included to like support Tom, which if you listen to Stasi's podcast was a, a series of instances. She was like, I 100% believe that that happened because men did terrible, terrible things either behind the scenes or in front of the camera and it wasn't included. And then when she didn't feel, when Stasi didn't feel comfortable filming, she you know, wasn't as much a part of the storyline because she wanted to limit her access or the opportunity to like even film with some of these people because she felt uncomfortable because of their behavior, which isn't included in the episodes. All you see is maybe someone who's not in as many scenes. Meanwhile, it's like we don't even know that these things happened. And the reality is with the Sandoval instance, it may that moment may have been cut because he had some sort of conversation or was threatening not to film for the pickups after the Scandal when the Scandal finale was being filmed. That is possible that he threatened to do that. And that might be one of the reasons why that moment wasn't included. But I'm thinking it it wasn't included. Maybe they didn't give a shit about Tom threatening not to continue filming. Maybe there was a realization that this person is admitting on camera to an illegal act and the network in production did not want to bear responsibility for that. And that's one of the reasons why these letters are going out saying, don't fucking, don't lose any of this footage. Like, hold on to this because legally there's going to be grounds to talk about it. And so it's it's a very complicated conversation. I don't want it to be the entirety of this episode because well, I, I just want to point out that but... I, I I just do think there I think something you said probably hits on the reason for the switch between um, the New York Ultimate Girls Trip and the uh, Morocco oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Girls Trip. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like it would be easier to not show this than it would be to deal with the reality of whatever. Yeah. Whatever did or did not happen. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So, um, it, yeah. And you, it's, it's I, easy not to take responsibility for something if people don't know that it happened. There you go. So I don't, to be continued, um, I'm really, this is a difficult conversation. It's a conversation that will continue, including on Andy's girls, because, you know, the Bethany and all yada, yada, yada. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's really serious di- sh- shit to discuss. And I have trust and faith in this community, <laughs> which, uh, by which I mean like Andy's girls <laughs> specifically I'm, some of those larger <laughs> parts of the Bravo audience <laughs> I get a little nervous about but I think I have a lot of trust and respect for listeners of this podcast that we can do both we can do hard things we can have discussions and disagree with each other about difficult aspects of plot that we're seeing on reality tv that we're seeing on housewives and elsewhere and we can also talk about the experiences that we are now hearing and make a decision for ourselves and have a conversation for ourselves of what does this mean it it's yeah. it's complicated i'm not always going to speak in a, in a manner that is eloquent if I ever was, or I might stumble upon having this conversation because it's a difficult one to have. It's like, we're figuring this out and we're figuring it out together. And so like, let's talk about it. I think it's important when someone goes on the record or is anonymous and shares their experience, I think that they deserve to be heard. And like, I haven't watched Below Deck in a number of years for my own bitchy reasons, which I will not get into on this podcast, but I haven't watched any iteration of it for several reasons. I don't plan to in the future, even though I know overall it's a great show. I think it's like the most popular, one of the most popular in Bravo and people love it and they have every right to, but I think it's also important to talk about some of these fucking guys at the end of the day. That would be the ep title if I didn't want to get in trouble. These fucking <laughs> guys. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Durenda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. 
Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andesgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andesgirls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. <laughs> Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time with wet wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. 
For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has hormone harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of hormone harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Um, listen, speaking of these fucking guys, a different kind of fucking guy. Let's take out the fucking from this, by the way. Um, the trailer came out. Hashtag toxic masculinity. Trailer came <laughs> out for the Atlanta fucking reunion. I don't know what to do with it. I watched it, I think, three times before we started recording. Curious for your thoughts on the reunion trailer and maybe the vibe that you're feeling generally about Atlanta these days. Okay. Um, to me, well, let me just start with the vibe for Atlanta these days, and then I'll get into the trailer because I think the, the going in that order is much more interesting. The vibe for Atlanta to me this season has been, I mean, if uh, if we're going to call it a vibe, it's a, it's a low vibration, right? For me, anyway, because I just feel like there is some real disconnect between what I believe that the audience wants and what production is determined to give us. And I don't know if that's going to just boil down to casting or what they choose to show on the show, because we've heard so much, I think from like either Candy and Kenya about like certain things that are like, that are actually happening and going on that I feel like we as an audience would really love to see or hear or know more about, especially with the Drew and Ralph of it all. And to jam pack all of the Drew and Ralph stuff to the very end when we knew before the season started that this was coming this the story with Ralph and Drew broke out of we went February March mm. you had until May to restructure some things to throw in some some nuggets along the way to kind of get us at least like okay to open up to peel back the onion slowly and suspensefully and i just feel like for whatever reason they just chose to go with some different things and like to I I really feel like they were banking on Marlo to be the Giselle, and when and when that doesn't even work on Potomac anymore, and I just feel like they're they're it doesn't it, it really doesn't it did for a while it, it did but it does that charm is is no we're no longer like like we you can't do that to us anymore the window is open we can see all right <laughs> and so I just kind of feel like a lot of that happened now that I've gotten the season out of the way the reunion to me actually looked 10 times better than the season because I feel like all of the stuff that has been built up and talked about outside and on social media, I feel like it's finally going to come to a head based on what we've seen. And we're really going to get down into the Drew and Ralph of it all. And what is, I, I don't know that we'll know what the truth is because to me, they're both not credible people, um, unfortunately. And that also is a problem for me as well, because there's some there's some credibility issues that I feel like the show has in general. And so then I feel like we're watching make believe. I don't believe the relationship between Martell and Sheree. I never have. I feel like it's it's being forced down our throats, like we're supposed to act like it's OK, it's really happening when we know if you watch his other show, he's a he's to me. He is 
the exemplification of what we talked about with the toxic masculinity from before. So to, to bring him over here and pretend all of a sudden like nothing he's done on his other show is ever ex in existence. It's like, what are you? Why are you trying to sell me this? You cannot sell me who uh, we watch these shows. We know what like you're again, the window is open. The blinds are not closed. We can see out the window right now. So. I, I hope that some of these things come to the surface on the reunion. And again, it felt like it was better than the season. And it honestly gave me the feeling of, I don't know how many uh, listeners are clued into Married to Medicine. To Ooh. me, that is one of the best shows Amen. on Bravo. Um, along with Beverly Hills, I still, I'm still a Beverly Hills guy. I mean, I will be until the day <laughs> it ends. Okay. Um, it it, it it like it, it, I I I live and breathe Beverly Hills, right? But Married to Medicine is is great, and and what we've seen with some of those reunions is we've seen marriages on the brink of divorce. Okay, on Mary on on the Married to Medicine reunion, and the cast rally around them so that those marriages don't end. We've seen, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, it's been so riveting. Uh, we've seen behind like. They they have drama behind the scenes, like in the in the dressing rooms, like it goes down at a Married to Medicine reunion. So I will say that this reunion trailer pleased me in that sense because it made me feel almost like I was watching Married to Medicine. What a big, possibly undeserved compliment about Atlanta and comparing it to Married <laughs> to Medicine, which is like to me the best show on Bravo. And if I am thinking so sorry, I need to laugh for one second. Because if I because <laughs> if I am thinking of that iconic re what was it? I don't remember what season. I'm gonna pretend it was season five of Married to Medicine. I literally don't remember. But the Dr. Simone and Cecil moment yes. where everyone rallied together and said they just yes. announced a shock divorce. We are not allowing this to happen. They are not yet at that point, and we care about this couple. And we actually know this couple. There's decades of friendship sitting on that fucking stage. Andy said after the fact, that was the realest shit I've ever seen. I have said repeatedly, if you do one thing right now, it is watch Married to Medicine. And can you start from the most recent season? Technically, um, Peacock will allow that. I would rather you not. I would rather you start from the beginning. Go all the way back. You need to understand Mariah before you understand anything else. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot there with her and Quad, but all this to say, to compare <laughs> Drew and Ralph <laughs> to a doctor. Wait, 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 wait. That should wait. be illegal. Like, I actually wait, think wait, that's okay. a crime. I think there should be a law against comparing Drew to, like, anything great. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, especially... It's like, okay, it's like may, I, may I have the opportunity to rephrase? Yes, but just to say they're reacting with horror. <laughs> it's not like the people on stage are like, yeah, Drew and Ralph, let's rally together and get them back. No, Marlo is looking on. No. That was the best moment of the of the reunion. Marlo being like, what the fuck is happening? It's It was a mess. Yes, please, please clarify, interject. <laughs> Let me rephrase. It, it what what made it riveting to me okay <laughs> it was just the dynamic of where where the drama is between a, a married couple that's yeah. really what i was trying to get at um which should be and, and we don't not listen hey i want marriages to work okay i'm <laughs> pro marriage like you, you want to you get married stay married please do whatever you can but 
I think relationship drama, again, we, there's a lack of credibility here. I get it. But relationship drama, I think, oftentimes is relatable to people. And people are, for whatever reason, drawn to it. Yes. So I think that for me is is I have found over the course of, d- of doing all of this is that I find relationship drama much more fascinating than superficial, like, you know, just petty drama for the sake of having it. That's so to me, that's the that's the I don't want to say enjoyment I got, of it, but that's what I found riveting about it. Totally get that. And it's like the stakes could not be higher when it's people yes. either fighting for their marriage um, or fighting to end their marriage. And I think the realization that's happening now is that maybe Drew is doing potentially the work to like fight for herself. And yeah, maybe there's a maybe and I'm not I can't even believe it as I say it out loud. Like maybe there's an aspect where Ralph is doing that, too. Like, no, I don't believe that. But it's it's it is the conversation of like, yes, people can fight for their marriage. And that is interesting, fascinating, and often connective. But also at the end of the day, some people should not be together. And Drew seems to understand that Ralph during the reunion, during the reunion trailer was like, I I would like to be married. But then it's like, okay, but you're maybe also like producing records of your wife, maybe talking to somebody else or whatever. And like, you're also that was insane, right? Like you're accusing her of things that you know, are going to garner a possible negative response if they're believed by by fans potentially, but then you're also I think lying and being like, yeah, but I still love this woman. I want to be with her because it's like, sweetie, I I don't know that I don't know that you and Drew have the same definition of what love means. I'm actually relatively confident that you don't. And maybe he just needed to take another trip to Florida for reasons that we never actually understood. Um, Mm -hmm. Richie just choked on water. Maybe he needed to just take a little (laughs) car ride, little car to nowhere, nowheresville and just go reflect because, you know, he's he would be the one to say, um, yeah, I think there's something fishy going on because the man taught us all to fish. I mean, you know, he's kind of he sucks. Is that spoiler alert? Is that is that too big a take to make? Ralph's not no, I, I don't think so. I listen ever since ever since they showed up on our screens with this Tampa story, I've I think we've all given him a massive side eye. Mm. The interesting thing though was that listening to I think it was Courtney, cousin Courtney. <laughs> LOL. And I think she said something to the effect of, oh yeah, you know, the Tampa storyline was completely made up. And, you know, when he went to Vegas, he was there on a business trip and she knew that. And there was no audition. Like Courtney is doing a lot of work right now to discredit Drew, which is very <laughs> interesting to me. Yeah, I think Courtney's doing a lot of work and cardio is great. We love strength training, but I'm not taking a trip to this gym. Just like Anthony (laughs) on the newest episode was doing a lot of work to have a moment talking about the shoe and how he loves women, but people in marriages and relationships and stuff. I mean, work, you get an A for effort, F for execution. Can we talk about him real quick? We absolutely can. Okay, so fun fact. Oh, no. He's here, you guys. <laughs> <He's lying. laughs> Anthony, come on out. Oh, my God. So many shoes in the clawfist. I have to protect them. Listen, yes, side note, I am in love with your clawfist. Thank you. So Anthony is no stranger to reality television. Oh, no. So we know him from last season. Many of us do. 
But what a lot of viewers don't realize is that he was also in the mix of this huge issue on Basketball Wives from several seasons ago. Oh, yes. He was in the thick of a huge drama that resulted in two cast members almost fighting. Yes. In the middle of it. And so at that point in time, I was much more I was deep. I was knee deep into like my investigative journalism of it all. And I had an audio interview with him and I was asking him like all of these questions. I was like, because I, I wanted to know like what was really said, what was really done. So my thought is. I know that a lot of these ladies from Atlanta know some of these ladies from Basketball Wives, because one of the cast members used to live in Atlanta and she was really all about town. Malaysia, for those who don't know. Yeah, I remember so, Malaysia. Who, who, who was involved in the altercation. So, because it was about her kids. So for me, I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a second. Now, listen, no shade to Anthony, because obviously he is able to maneuver in these circles and he's able to get his work done or whatever he does. So listen, I don't have nothing against <laughs> Anthony. However, comma, if I am looking at the history, okay, if I'm Drew or Sheree, I would have to ask myself, like, hey, I didn't realize he was in the middle of something over there, too. Like, I'm going to get him to sign an NDA. I don't know. Like, that's just my thought about that whole situation. And I'm not sure why. Anyone who is coming into proximity of your home as a reality star and working in any capacity is not signing an NDA. I don't know that she by Sheree is like really thinking NDAs when we're having trouble she getting t-shirts be. up. She should be. She should be doing a lot of things that she's not doing. But <laughs> And I love Sheree. She's my queen. She should stay on Atlanta forever. But um. I with Anthony, it's like, OK, well, when it comes to like agreements and stuff, how was there no conversation about whether or not it would be a good idea for him to be there? Or maybe the conversation was like he absolutely should like the fact that Drew showed up and was going to walk in into an environment and there had been some sort of like police report or something about this, about their. Oh, yes, incident. there was like, a, a, a they were at the Lanithia, apparently. <gasps> oh, yes. No. In, in, yes, at the oh Lanithia Lounge in oh VIP, throwing shoes. <laughs> oh, look, Nini did come back. <laughs> <laughs> we we got that this season. For anybody, you just needed to dig a little deeper, guys. We just needed to do a little research. Wow. Um. Cool. Yeah, I think the point that you made that is staying with me including in discussing the Anthony of it all and the LOL cousin Courtney, which is like, I can't even say it without laughing because I just genuinely think she's a joke. But um, or I, I just I, I don't care so much or so little that it's it's to talk about anything relating to Courtney makes me feel like my bones are tired, like my muscles don't have it in them to pretend to care about literally anything. I think she's I'm so I have less than zero curiosity about anything related to Courtney. I'm sorry. It's just not going to be my journey. Know your limits. And I guess she's the boundary between me and some of the plot <laughs> this season. But the the point that you made about how are we to essentially trust in this storyline and narrative 
when we can't really trust the decisions that production is making in crafting it, like in the knowledge of what we have been told most recently by Kenya in talking about the fact that she did a whole big party reveal of her salon, which opened, none of which was discussed on Atlanta. She's talked about feeling like she's being minimized or pushed out of the show. It gets to the heart of some of these decisions that production or whomever is handling and choosing this season. And I don't know if it would have been a nothing burger, but I do know that this season kind of feels like one. And that's also it sort of like it can be kind of I, I would assume it would be sort of confusing for members of the cast, not specific to Atlanta, but anywhere, because often the critique of someone who might not be delivering in a way that we expected or whatever for or whatever else, the critique against them is typically, well, you don't she doesn't have a storyline. So why is she on the show? She doesn't have a storyline. And the reality is for some of these cast members, they would have had a storyline if it had been edited into the story, but it was not. So we're going after mm-hmm. a, a fully edited, produced version of the show. Obviously, it's the one that we're watching and saying, wow, this person doesn't really have a role in this show. Like, we're going to use that to, like, joke about them or criticize them or push them off the show. And it's like, well, was that the goal? Because maybe they did film a lot. Maybe there was interesting stuff going on in their lives, but someone else decided it shouldn't be on the episode. It's really weird. It, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the oddest thing that I've seen since we didn't understand what was going on with Nini. Mm. The oddest thing, meaning specific to Kenya or just the choices made? Yeah, specific. I think specific to, especially to Kenya, because I think when we will look back at the whole Nini of it all, and I, you know, loathe to bring her up because I know that it's a touchy subject for people, but I think that what we now know is that she was offer, offered less episodes. And what she believed at now, at least, I guess, looking back and the difficulty with talking about Nini oftentimes is that you have to look at her behavior as well. So um, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and pretend like she I from my viewpoint didn't seem a bit problematic at times. Mm. But looking at it from the outside at that point back then, it was like, well, why, where is she? Why isn't she present? So it kind of feels the same with Kenya. Well, why aren't we showing her story? Why aren't we seeing these aspects of her life? And I'm sure at at some point years later, it will become clearer, okay? Um, Similar to how it became clearer with Nini. I just hope it doesn't get to that point where she's just, you know, forced out of the show. Because then I don't know what we'll be watching unless they're bringing Portia back, you know? You know what I mean? Like, what, what are we watching? It can't be just about Drew and Sheree. Because they cannot lead, they cannot lead this show. Well, I mean, while the surprise about um, Bob was like genuinely shocking, because I thought the joke was going to be that his girlfriend was so young that she looked like his daughter, but like to find out she quite literally was his daughter, and maybe is someone who Sheree's kids don't know about, but Sheree herself is saying she certainly did not. That was a moment where I was like. 
what the fuck just happened? That ended the episode. So maybe we'll pick up with it next week. Maybe not. But like the Drew of it all, it's like when the divorce was announced, it was I was kind of like like shrug, like yeah, it, they they weren't great. Like of course they're not going to end up together. I didn't think it was ever going to be like the thing to talk about. It's certainly a thing to discuss, but I am not like in watching the trailer for the reunion, I was like, damn, like she seems really sad and really upset. And that's sad to watch. That's not a thrilling reunion cycle to watch this woman try to extricate herself from this marriage and also deal with accusations that maybe she was stepping out. Like that is not giving me drama. That's just giving me sadness and also doesn't feel like enough for a reunion cycle because it's like Drew. I just don't think of her apologies to her acting career, which I'm sure is thriving, at least in Todd's movie. I just don't think of her as like the leading lady of Atlanta. And if she if her storyline is driving it, like there's a problem. Like somebody referenced on social, like Sonia didn't say anything during the trailer for the reunion. Oh my God. I didn't even notice. I neither did I, which is not a great indicator. The fact that they had one of the full-time members of the cast who did not speak during the trailer. Like I get the like the She by Shrey newspaper reveal is fun. Like that's that's cute, but like I don't think of Atlanta as cute. I think of it as smart and funny. And it's giving me stuff that I don't want and I don't understand. And I would honestly almost criticize as stuff. Like, I I know that time is happening. Like, I know that we're watching episodes. I don't think this is the worst season of any franchise. And you know what? The worst of Atlanta is still a lot better than some of the like mid eras of other franchises. But I'm just maybe going to finish this season and watch the reunion probably days after it's aired and then say goodbye. And I'm probably never going to think about this season again. I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> like, I don't have any heavy critiques against it. I just am really not curious about it. And that's unfortunate. But it is. It is. Because, I mean, I think your your sentiments echo the general feeling from much of the audience. And that's bad. And unlike any number of people, I don't have a solution. Like, what do you, what do you, like, do you have any, I really don't have any ideas or opinion, which is also probably not a great sign of, (laughs) like, the temperature check that I have for Atlanta right now. What do you think? I I think that similar to Orange County, I think you've got to bring back, you know, some heavy hitters. I think, I think I've said this, I might have said this on here before, or, or at least I've said it on a, I think some, some version of a discussion of this somewhere. I personally believe that housewives should rotate in and out like throughout the, throughout the years, like every couple of years, like someone goes out for a season or two and then we bring them back in so that they've had some life to live, some things to go through, and then they can come back a little fresh. And so I think sometimes, you know, uh, personally, I think that OC is a great example of that. Mm. You had 
Heather, who was gone for, you know, quite some time, come back. And, you know, we were really excited about it until I wasn't last year. And then um, <laughs> you have you have Tamara back. And now, you know, I just think that or people are excited about Orange County again. You know, people are are loving what they're seeing because it, there's something there that reminds them of the good old days, right? And so I think you can probably do the same with Atlanta. I think that you can bring back in a Porsche, someone who is fun, who is vibrant, who is in a completely different state in her life. She has a man now that she's married to who is active in her life and would likely be active in the show. I think that you also probably need to get rid of Sonya because as we did not notice her in the trailer at all, I feel like that is really indicative personally that, I mean, I think she's a lovely woman. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But do I think this, this is the show for her? Um, probably not. Um, I think that I want to see on Atlanta, everybody doesn't have to be married. Let me say this, because I, I, I don't want people to think that, oh, he's against single people, because I'm not, because some people <laughs> choose to be single and, and, and listen, live their best, fabulous lives. Yeah, yeah. Bethany, who we, you know, we have a relationship with, um, was single and Wait. was a great housewife. Oh, right. right. I was like, she's not single right now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was. She was. She was. Yeah. And here's another great example of someone who came in single, you know, and then found her uh, prince or frog or whatever you want to call him. But, you know, she she found it on the show. And so I think there, if you bring in some more married couples to sort of round things out, we can keep Sheree, we can keep Kenya, we can keep Candy. Um, Marlo, I'm on the fence about. Marlo might have to go back to being a friend because I feel like she's still acting like a friend. Does that make sense? Like Marlo, as a as a friend, acted out when we needed her to, and it was fine because she acted out and then she went away. But now she's just acting out, and she's, <laughs> ta da! I'm I'm staying, you know. And I was personally advocating for her to get a peach, but now I look back at it and and I'm like, oh, huh, babe, you're no Sutton, okay? So I'm gonna need. Uh, <laughs> She isn't. I mean, listen, I love Marlo. I don't want her to lose her money. I hope she gets paid the same just as a friend. And we bring in some more solid, like, the. I mean, it's got to be fun casting. People that, people with aspirational lives that want to show them, okay, and that will be real about whatever is going on. And these ideas that sometimes I feel like housewives are maybe pressured to bring on some guy who they who the audience has no belief that they're dating okay like you what what are you trying to sell us here like we're not we're not stupid we know we can tell okay um and everybody on the cast is questioning the authenticity of these relationships when i see that happen i'm like i'm checking i'm checking out because now you're you're taking us as the audience for fools like i want to see real relationships and i feel like that's what we used to get in the early days of atlanta and that's what we're missing now. So I think if they can find a way to keep the core and then bring in some real authentic relationships, marriages, and or, or just women who want to show their real authentic lives, then I think we I think we have a fighting chance at at least 
it being enjoyable to fans again. Don't you think that they were probably looking for that last season? Or were they just like, no, this is the cast. We're all good. Something that Kenya said made so much sense to me. Kenya said the thing with she didn't point point these women out, but I'm going to I'm going to point them out. Okay. With both Sonya and with Drew, these women did not have to earn their 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 peach, meaning someone cast them and threw them in the mix, right? Without testing them first. Kenya talked about for her it was and even with Cynthia and Phaedra, same thing happened. You know, they were all brought in and they're they're being tested without get, getting paid. They're being tested with the women. They're being tested alongside other women. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like more of that needs to happen to see who actually works within the group. Who actually is 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 standing out above the crowd? And then what do you know? You get Phaedra and Cynthia. And then what do you know? You get uh, Kenya and Portia. I feel like that's how you get um, great housewives who mesh with the group is you you have to vet these people before you just cast a name. And I think with Atlanta being fil- so filled with people who are known in like, you know, like the Candies, the Kenyas, the, who was a Miss USA, you know what I'm saying? The Cynthia Baileys of the world. There's this idea that, oh, we need to cast someone else famous. Not necessarily. You could cast someone who worked. But you got to do you got to vet them first. And I feel like that's not happening. Yeah, it's like the idea of giving preference to someone who worked in the sense of they are a known entity prior to joining Housewives versus do they work as in are they a good fit on this particular show? I assume that there's as a part of the casting process, some sort of like because they do that with new Housewives a lot where it's like test shoots and going to group whatever's it's pretty thorough. It's not just like, you know, given a good uh, several solo interviews and off you go to into the according to Kenya that's not happening and I remember even with Drew when we first got to know her I mean she didn't film with the group from I mean for we didn't see her with the group in season 13 for a while I mean granted that was the COVID season I was about to say I think it was COVID I think she had COVID or somebody had COVID yeah no she didn't she had an issue with her she hurt her ankle so she didn't film with them for a while oh, and it's God. like Mm-mm. y'all didn't want to test this out first i mean like maybe they just thought she had a great story you know her they maybe they looked at ralph and said she's she's that's it right there <laughs> i don't know but i i do agree with kenya that make make these people work for it you know um from what i can see now i don't know this to be true and you you're, you can tell me your thoughts but I, I feel like there's more testing and vetting done in like New Jersey I was just and in OC because, you know, we kind of see or hear about these women that are being tested for. You know, we always hear about women being tested for Jersey and then suddenly, OK, these two women make it, you know, out of the three or four or five, however they were considering. I think that's what you do. And then you come out with a dynamic group of women who are all willing to be involved and who have things going on. I mean, I think the testing on New Jersey, so much of that is often like the strategy of network and production of like what they're going to leak, what they want people to be aware of and how connected that shows 
you know, own content creators are, like which Instagram folks and bloggers are, you know, tracking and coding like the various it's like trying to see what the fuck is happening in Franklin Lakes, like constantly has eyes and boots on the ground or whatever else of what's going on. Not to say that doesn't happen with Atlanta, but like when it comes to, you know, a lot of tryouts and stuff, it's not like Orange County has had a great track record of that of late. Jen is the exception to the rule. There has been I, I was about long, to I was about to use her as an example. Right. There's been a long record of like one and done Orange County housewives who haven't worked. So it's not that Atlanta's only I mean I guess anyone named Peggy on that show does not work. I don't think that Peggy Tanus, Peggy of Micah and Peggy or Mika, Micah Mika, I don't think that she was a bad housewife. Hundredth housewife Peggy was quite terrible. Um, but yeah, there have been Dr. Jen was bad. Peggy Tenus did not want to be involved, okay? Peggy Tenus did it, not want to be involved. She was like, Alexis, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Uh, I'll see y'all later with all of my money, except then we declare bankruptcy like 45 minutes after cameras go down. Um, yeah, I don't know with Atlanta. It's hard for me to think about vetting. You might be completely spot on. It's just like... There's something else going on. And like speaking of all things Drew, it's not to say to me that she doesn't, that she shouldn't be on the show any longer. I just think yeah, it's if not we're that. in a position where she's like the center peach, we have a problem. <laughs> like she's just not, she doesn't give me lead actress energy when it comes to Atlanta. I'm sure she does in her acting career, but in the career of Housewives, I would prefer for her to be featured supporting, supporting. I would doesn't yeah. mean she needs to be a friend of just means I don't really need this and unfortunately you know when it comes to stakes the whole thing with Dr. Simone and Cecil not to bring it back to married to medicine but here we go is that like the audience cared the audience cares about this couple they see the respect and love these people have for each other and the fact that yes there's a lot of conflict going on or there's just some sort of breakdown that's happening they're not able to listen to and truly hear each other which is a problem that many couples face a problem that people face in a variety of relationships romantic platonic business, whatever it is, it was connected for many reasons. And there were very high stakes. There were high stakes for the friend group. There were high stakes for the cast members who love and adore both of these people, obviously high stakes for their immediate family. There was a lot to there was a lot of tension as a result of this. So there was a lot building over the course of that reunion cycle with Drew and Ralph, it's like, I get it. They're getting a divorce. It's going to be really complicated. I guess a lot of blogs are talking about the reasons they might be splitting up. I, to be fair and honest, I really haven't followed any of it because I am not terribly interested in what led to their breakup because it it felt like it was destined to fail. And if failure, and I'm using failure as the idea of like, the relationship is no longer. It just, it was yeah. destined to end. Like, to me, the failure would have been them staying together in an incredibly toxic cycle. So it's like them breaking up and the buildup around it. I get it. People want to watch it. It's, we've followed this marriage and this couple. People are interested and God bless. Like, I think that's incredible to feel connected in whatever way you 
decide you feel or you decide you want. I just, there aren't a lot of stakes for me aside from like sadness of watching this woman be really upset, which is not, that is the kind of drama that just makes me sad. It's not giving, I don't know what conversation there is aside from like, wow, this is really sad. I think that one of the big things for a lot of us is that there is this connection with a character on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. And there is this idea that that Drew has some relationship with someone who had been previously in another relationship with another well-known star from that show. And that star posted this cryptic thing, you know, on online about Drew and Ty, who is also, you know, another woman. So I think that to me is the part where I am hoping that they will dissect it and we'll finally get some answers because it's been teased quite a bit online by, by the ex of the young lady in question. So to me, that's what I think I want to know. The fact that Drew and Ralph were getting a divorce, I mean, I think we all kind of expected that at some point. Yeah. Wouldn't hope for it. No, absolutely. Because, you know, you know, I, again, I always, marriage wins. Yay. But except when it doesn't or shouldn't. Yay. But, <laughs> you know, I, I want to yeah. know what that is about. I think that's the mystery for a lot of us who are kind of like trying to piece together the timelines and how all of this is working. And I'm wondering, and I'm hoping that we'll get some resolve to that at the reunion. And that's what it felt like to me, like we were going to get some answers to some questions that we've had for like the past several months. So I'm like, will we get those answers? I don't know, but it looks like we are. I mean, text message reveals and stuff like that. How Sheree ends up with those. I have no idea, but she is the bone collector. So, I mean, that may explain it all, but yeah, that's to me, I think, the pivotal thing for a lot of us as 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 our as we are all Sherlock homeboy um <laughs> trying to figure out and piece together those pieces and also he said to his now estranged wife that he was like getting blowjobs all over the world like his dick is epcot like what the fuck was that <laughs> a lot of this is like and the fact that he too considers drew to be quite the dramatic actress as well as the rest of her cast. And then Candy also saying, ah, now that I see that you are lying to uh, about me, I am now seeing that you, you may be doing the same thing to your husband. And so now everyone is questioning everything. And that to me is more fascinating than whether or not, and I, I don't know how she may be feeling, but it's tough to believe anything when it comes to Drew as authentic or real. So I feel like I should feel sad, but the reality is I question my own sadness. I mean, listen, you're saying a lot. There's a lot to <laughs> unpack there and I love that and I adore that. And that's why you're such an incredible content creator and person and personality. I just, I like... I have to be honest, even though I've been honest <laughs> 85 times about this very topic over the course of this episode, I really understand that. And I like 
I get <laughs> why people would be engaged in it and like think it's interesting. And I guess my challenge is like remembering to watch these episodes, which I will do my very my level best to do. I maybe I'm maybe I'm going to be blown away. Maybe I'm going to be like, wow, this is so interesting. And like, I'm going to get into the minutia of it, which I hope I do. That's typically the foundation of Andy's Girls. I just am like so not interested in it. And I feel bad that I'm not like I almost feel guilty that I like don't care about what I, I just I don't ca- like. But oh, it's hard. To, it's it's hard to care because you can't connect. I really don't. I I might also be. I don't know if how much of that is me choosing not to. I think I am making an active choice to to not give a shit. I think this season happened. People have talked about not being connected to it. I don't think it needs to be like thoroughly dragged. I just don't think it was good. And I don't know how they resolve that with make, without making some casting changes and maybe some production changes. Maybe the people who are, you know, I don't know, maybe there needs to be some sort of like change up there because yeah. it's not something it, when we talk about a reboot, it doesn't just need to be in front of the camera, but I just don't, I don't, I don't care. I just don't care. It, it, it's giving Beverly Hills season eight. Which one? I don't do numbers. I always forget. Which one was eight? Ah, I think it was the season Teddy first came. Oh, well. <laughs> funny how funny how that works. Time. Am I right? Um, listen, we didn't even talk about Orange County. We didn't even talk about New York, which means I know that you're in vacation mode and you're in your place of Zen. And I love that journey for you. But I am going to need you to come back immediately because I really 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 want to unpack orange county with you especially so i mean the most recent episode was like chef's kiss magical so i would love for you to come back asap for us to discuss but in the meantime tell the ags what you've got cooking some of your recent episodes that have come up things that you're excited to focus on in the future any upcoming interviews or anything else where they can buy your books and follow you on social all that good stuff okay so my book the wickedest wives desiree's desire it's book one in a series it is available on amazon Kindle, Audible, all the things. So, so you can read it, you can listen to it, whatever you want to do. Um, I am three chapters away from finishing book number two. So yes. hopefully that will be out. My my hope is to get it out in October. Um, the cover is done. I It, it just needs to go through some developmental editing and some line editing, um, which just is to kind of flush the story out and to make sure everything is is it, it makes sense. Because it always makes sense in your head, but does it make sense to a reader? Um, so that's coming. That's the biggest thing for me right now that I can, I think that I can say, um, I am working on a project that I honestly, like, I I can't, I'm like, I have to pinch myself. Um, and I have to come back here and I I can talk to you about it. Um, once that is done, well, public, I'll tell you behind the scenes, but publicly, (laughs) um, so I'm super excited about some of the things that I have going on, um, just kind of behind the scenes. And I've really been sort of getting into like um, lifestyle and fashion and 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 creating content in that arena as well, because I have other interests. And we talked a little bit about this earlier, just things that keep you going outside of what we yeah. do 
in this space to kind of fulfill that other you know side of ourselves um so yeah those are the things so just follow me on at dj richie scott everything everything at dj richie scott incredible and i think that's the thing is like to continue to push yourself as a creator inside the bravo universe including talking about things that are non-bravo it's important to like push yourself elsewhere and like you know this is a you know talking about housewives talking about bravo it's exciting passionate you know comes with challenges that can feel great to kind of go through but also having other experiences and like living other lives and sharing that with your community is incredible because I think it also reminds people of the fact that you have a lot of different passions and while they might be seeing one on YouTube they might be following one on Instagram stories there are other stories that you want to tell and so I applaud you for really like stretching your muscles in that way and exploring other aspects of yourself that you want to share with the audience that have been there all along. I think that's incredible. Thank you. You're welcome, guys. Um, You know what I'm grateful for? Uh, Andy's Girls Patreon supporters, number one way to support the podcast. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more, including a very deep dive satchel spectacular of all of your thoughts, which I have, well, many of your thoughts, which I have, because there were many, which I have been collecting about all things Bethany, who I've been calling Beth Ann and Rachel. So you can (laughs) listen to that episode now on the Andy's Girls Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Follow me on Instagram and allegedly threads at Dame Galley and Richie Sky, my king. Thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me. And I will be back fully equipped with all of my thoughts and feels about Orange County as well as New York. I'm going to play catch up. I love a little catch up game um, as long as apparently it's not about Drew and Ralph. So on that note, guys, (laughs) thanks so much for listening. I feel like I should eat a peach after that. I don't know if they're in season. According to Peacock, they might not be, but I might have a little bit of a snack. Thanks for joining us and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. 